love it. Thank you. Thank you, church, for your confidence in us and your investment in souls. Cindy and I have given to missions ever since we've been married 32 years, and even when we really didn't have much to give, we still gave to missions. Our parents told us that, and I thank God for that. And I do not regret not a single dime or moment of prayer I've ever spent in the cause of Christ. Heaven will be worth it all. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. How many of you are Colts fans? Colts fans. You see, there's not many, because there ain't much to get excited about, is there? But in the day, I was a, man, I was a Colts fan. But I always got disappointed because I felt like they could never get it done when it mattered the most. Just couldn't get over the hump, you know? Felt that same way about the Pacers. And that word ashamed, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It means to make a great investment with disappointing results. And whatever we've invested in the cause of Christ, we'll never be disappointed with the result of it. Amen? One soul, if one soul comes to Christ, worth it all. Amen? Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, please, to 2 Chronicles chapter 26 tonight. 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Pastor said I'd preach better since you voted in the affirmative. Well, I'll preach shorter. How about that? I don't know about better, but shorter is probably better. Can I get a witness? Every amen you give takes 30 seconds off the message. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It woke that crowd up. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said one night, are you long-winded? I said, it depends on who's playing. Amen. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 26, I think is just a, in reality, man, it's a tragic story. It's a tragic story. I, I am a sports fan. I, now, not as much as I used to be, obviously, being in Botswana. We're, we're pretty limited in what we get to see. But I absolutely love to see a team come out and dominate and do well and be winning a game. And then I just groan in agony when they get careless and stupid and lose it in the end. And tonight's kind of one of those stories. I'd like to share with you tonight this thought. It could happen to any of us. A good walk gone bad. A good walk gone bad. And I don't want to bring a message tonight that is a downer. Almost always preach on missions. And I hold Bibles full of missions messages. But I really think this is just something critical that we need to pay attention to in this hour in which we live. Because I think there are a lot of Christians, listen, you're here tonight. This is a Sunday night crowd. You love the Lord or you wouldn't be here. And I commend you for that. I thank God, man, this is an amazing, amazing encouragement to my heart. But I want to say to you tonight that there are some things we've not passed on to the next generation. And they're going to suffer because of it. And the cause of Christ is going to suffer because of it. And one of the things that we've not taught the younger generation is how to truly walk with God. A walk with God is a whole lot more than a daily devotional and a prayer time. It's a constant awareness of the presence of God in your life. 
And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joys we share as we tarry there, the world has never known. That's what we're talking about tonight. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Would you stand with me please if you're able? Stand with me if you're able. The Bible says, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty and two years in Jerusalem. So he lived sixty-eight years. His mother's name also was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And may we read verse 5 in unison together. Ready? And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Father, again, I pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that what is said tonight would be only what you desire to speak to our hearts. Father, may it not be unto man tonight, but may it truly be unto thee, O Lord. Lord, every time I think of these thoughts, I'm so cautioned, God, that you can just be enjoying the blessing and the privileges of being a great child of God. But Lord, then can come pride and our undoing. Lord, I pray tonight, may this be a maintenance message. May it keep us from falling. Father, may it be that which calls someone who, Lord, is not enjoying the blessing of God in their life, but the curse of God. May it call them to repentance, I pray. Lord, we pray and ask it all tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. The Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God. We know that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We know that Abraham was the friend of God. We know that David was a man after God's own heart. These are men who walked with God. These are men who we look at and we celebrate and we admire and we learn from and we just stand in awe of them and their accomplishments. But can I say to you that that ought to be the experience of every Christian. God is no respecter of persons. Now, not everybody's going to be called upon to build an ark, and not everybody's going to be called upon to go to Botswana. But whatever you are called upon to do, and whatever you are called upon to be for the Lord, you ought to desire that you walk with God in such a way that God's blessing and God's hand of blessing is upon your life and upon your endeavors. Amen. I have one goal. My daddy used to say to me, he said, son, when I was a young preacher, he said, son, when you pillow your head at night, make sure your life pleases God. And he said, if your life is pleasing unto God, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, says, or does, just make sure your life pleases the Lord. Amen? And that's what it means to walk with God. How many of you have a cell phone? Have a cell phone. How many of you have a cell phone on your person right now? Okay. We don't know how to live without that thing, do we? I was teaching some things about fasting, and I looked at some of our people in Botswana, and I said, I want you to consider fasting. And, you know, I said, if you can't fast from food, maybe you've got a medical condition or something. I said, fast from your cell phone. 
Man, they were thinking I was Ichabod. Fast from myself. Oh, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> we don't know how to live without that thing, do we? But you know what I love about my cell phone? If I forget I've got it, all it has to do is ring. And I'm reminded it's still there. And if I need it in a hurry, all I have to do is pick it up and dial, and I can usually get done what needs to be done. And I don't want to liken God to our cell phone tonight. I just want you to understand that God is the same. He is ever with us. He is ever-present in our lives. And He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. But can I say that it shouldn't be that we call upon God only when we need Him. It should be that God is our dearest friend. You should talk to Him in the night. You should walk with Him in the day. You should know His heart and His mind and His word and have a true walk with God. Now I want you to see something about this walk with God and just some things we can learn tonight. First of all, I believe a walk with God, a walk with God in reality is a continuation of our heritage. You know, the Bible says that the faith once delivered to the saints must be contended for in every generation. There are some things we have to pass down to the next generation. Amen? And I, I, don't, think we, I don't think we have to lose the next generation. I think we just have to engage them where they're at, amen, and encourage them that God is not dead, God is still alive, and God has a purpose for their life. A continuation of our heritage. The Bible says here of Uzziah, he was 16 years old, and Judah made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. Now when we study Amaziah, he was one of the good kings. Now he made some mistakes, and he offered uh, uh, worship to idols, and he wasn't as good as Amaziah was. But certainly, certainly, Amaziah could say that he had parents that handed down a heritage to him so that he knew who the God of Israel was. And I want to say to you tonight, very quickly, very quickly, we see it in this passage, and I'm not going to take a lot of time here, but very quickly I want you to understand that we in America have a national heritage. We were supposed to be, from our conception to our end, one nation under God. That was the vision of our forefathers. And I want to tell you something. I, my blood boils tonight when I see the garbage that is going on in this land. We don't have culture shock in Africa. We've got culture shock when we come back to America. But I just want to say tonight, I, I, I was in my father's study this morning, in the wee hours of the morning, and on the back of his wall are two quotes from Ronald Reagan. And my dad's a patriot. He loves this country. He prays for it. He cries over it. And I just want to say tonight, I know we're in a mess, but let us not forget that we are a people of God and there is a remnant. I don't think you find sanity outside the four walls of the local independent Baptist church nowadays. But I like what's going on inside those four walls. Amen? And let's make sure that we continue to be the salt and light of the earth. And I don't know where this is coming from tonight, but I hope you're registered to vote. Amen? And if you don't vote, don't complain. Amen. Can I say that here? Thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody want to take away that support you just gave us? That's okay. Not only do we have a national heritage, as Uzziah had a national heritage, but he had a spiritual heritage. And we've got a spiritual heritage tonight. Amen? 
you go down the road to um, Hope Baptist Church on the west side of Indianapolis, and that's the church that uh, back when it started over on the far southwest side of Indianapolis, that's the church I was saved in and called to preach in. And I remember when my dad was a deacon and many, many years gone by, my mom and dad, we'd go up to the church on Saturday night, and we'd kneel at the altar, and wasn't anybody there, wasn't anybody there. But God, Dad would turn on just enough light that we could see our way to the altar, and we'd go up there and we'd pray as a family, and we'd pray for the pastor, and we'd, we'd pray for the air conditioners to work on Sunday, amen, because if they broke, Dad was the guy that went up and fixed them, you understand. And I'm just saying, my dad taught me how to pray for the work of God. Now, I'm not trying to make enemies tonight, but I want to ask you a question. Have your kids ever heard you pray for the preacher? Have they ever heard you pray for the Sunday school teacher? Have they ever heard you pray for the bus worker? Have they ever heard you pray for the building program? Have they ever heard you pray for the soul winning program? I'm saying, is there a heritage? We're talking about a walk with God, folks, and we've got to teach the next generation what it means to believe that God is who He says He is and does what He says He'll do. Amen. I wouldn't be here tonight. I wouldn't be standing here tonight. I wouldn't be a missionary preaching the gospel in the uttermost regions of the world tonight if it wasn't for a godly, goodly heritage that was handed down to me. It's a continuation of our heritage. I want all our young people tonight, if you're 21 or younger, would you lift your hand, please? 21 or younger, lift your hand. All right, you guys, listen to me tonight. Please listen to me. A walk with God is a consecration of our youth. It's a consecration of our youth. Uzziah was king when he was 16 years old. Listen, when I was 16 years old, I didn't want to be in charge of nothing. Amen? I was timid, shy, backwards. God had just called me to preach, and honestly, I wouldn't talk to anybody. I'd stare at the floor when people talked to me. I was so timid. I wouldn't say a word. Now they can't get me to shut up. Amen? That's God does that. God does that. But it's a consecration of our youth. God called me to preach when I was 16 years old. Now, I got really, really, really serious about that when I was 19 and in Bible college. But I want you to understand tonight that we need to teach our young people that their youth is precious. How many of you grieve when you see our young people wasting their youth? I mean, they learn some things, and eventually they grow up, and eventually most of them come right. But the reality of it is a lot of them are going to live with the regret that they didn't serve God when they were younger. It was a consecration of our youth. Thirdly, I want you to see it's a commitment to our purpose. Look, if you will, at verse 1. The Bible says Judah made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. In verse 2, we see that he built Eloth and restored it to Judah. After that, the king slept with his fathers. He had a purpose. He had a mission. Look at verse 4. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. So Uzziah was a continuation of the kingness or king, kingdom of Judah. And I want you to understand tonight that he understood. This young 16-year-old man understood that there was a purpose for his life. Let me tell you something that's going on in Botswana right now. I shared with my wife recently, I said, we have got a window of opportunity. I said, God has given us a window. And we've got to seize this moment and do everything we can do in this time. Because Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world tonight. And we have 
folks from all over the world migrating into Botswana and their Islamic. And what they do is they come in and they get a foothold in a community and they establish a mosque and then they immediately begin to try to, quote, evangelize young men. Because in most African countries, young men face horrible unemployment, horrible misdirection. Most of them have never had a father figure. Do you know on any given Sunday, we'll have more men in our church than we will women and children? Do you know what a blessing that is to a missionary? To have godly men in our church? And I'm not lying to you, folks. You can come see it for yourself. And the reason that is, is because there's leadership and there's masculinity and they're responding to that. They said, this is what leadership looks like. This is what godly leadership is. And we want to follow godly leadership. And what we're trying to do, you saw those young people standing there by that trailer. Man, listen, I took those uh, 12 or 14 young people and we went out into the bush. And brother, I want to tell you something. It was cold. We get cold. We're a desert country. And it gets cold at night. And we went out in the bush. And there were no soft mattresses. And I made all the food. And they didn't complain much, okay? It's good to feed people when they're hungry. <laughs> but we roughed it. And we toughed it for a week. And they didn't come home complaining. They came home rejoicing because they went out in a week's time and they shared the gospel door to door in four different remote villages and gave out those New Testaments. And I just want you to understand that when we give our young people a purpose, a reason to live, live for something greater than yourself, what is the clarion call that we need to give to this generation? Give your life to Christ. You'll never regret it. Folks, I need to bear a burden to you tonight. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I'm telling you, it's not a joke. The harvest fields are white. We're trying to plant three churches right now with men that are already doing all they can. If I had 10 men, we'd be planting 10 churches. We have all the opportunity we could ask for. We have an open door, and a great and effectual door is opened unto us. You know what the greatest problem we have tonight is? Lack of laborers. Pastors have got to preach it. Parents have got to encourage it. And professors have got to teach it in our colleges. We need missionaries. Foreign field missionaries. I'm talking about a walk with God. Listen, we don't need dreamy-eyed, starry kids coming out of Bible college saying, I'm going to go to a foreign land and I'm going to be a super missionary for God and I don't know nothing and I'm wet behind the ears, but by golly, I'm going to do it. That ain't what we're looking for. Because I want to tell you something, they don't make it. They don't last. It's tough out there. If you're not in it, because it is the divinely ordered purpose of God for your life, you won't cut it. But when it's the divinely ordered purpose of God for your life, and the hard times come. Can we talk about some hard times in the ministry? For all you folks that are new around here, remember somebody fought a battle before you got here. 
for this to be what it is tonight. Can I just get a witness? Amen. We must never forget those who paid the price behind us. Amen. And I'm just saying tonight that we need to issue a clarion call to our young people to live with a purpose. And your walk with God, your personal walk with God, ought to be a walk that is cognizant of your purpose. Okay, I'm going to keep my word and quit on time, so you stay with me. Are we together? There's a commitment to our purpose. There's a communion we seek. Look at verse 5. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah. Now, God was very good to Uzziah. He gave him a man of God in his life. We don't, most likely, this Zechariah was the son of the great prophet Zechariah. We're not 100% certain about that. But the Bible says that Zechariah had understanding in the visions of God. And Uzziah sought God. And maybe there was someone who came alongside and helped Uzziah and befriended him and helped him and nurtured him. But I just want to say to you tonight that your walk with God is a communion that we seek. The psalmist said, I will seek thee early. God said, seek me and ye shall find me. Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Hey, let's be a little transparent and honest tonight. Do you ever have seasons, seasons in your life when God seems distant? When you feel like you're praying and it ain't getting above the drywall? Anybody else want to be honest tonight? I'm being honest. I'm in church. I can't lie. What about you? Yeah. How many of you are going to be honest tonight? Let me see your hands. Okay. The rest of you are just lying cowards, but that's okay. There'll, there'll be an invitation. Man, sometimes I pray and I'm just like, I'm just muttering words. Sometimes I read my Bible and it just all blends together on the page. There's going to be dry times in the Christian life. I love what Brother Parker taught us when we were young Christians. He said the Christian life should not be a roller coaster experience. You're on the mountain today, you're in the valley tomorrow. Back on the mountain, back in the valley. He said your Christian life ought to be more like that thing that they check your heart rate with in the hospital. You know, beep, beep. He said a little fluctuation up, a little fluctuation down, but you pretty much are just a constant. And that's what your walk with God ought to be. Amen? Now, there's going to be valleys low and there's going to be mountains high, and thank God for those things. But the reality of it is, walking with God is like Abraham who sat in the uh, door of his tent in the heat of the day. It's a blue-collar faith. It's an experience where you just stay faithful to the things that are right and the things that are true, and the blessing of God comes from that. Amen? Now, the Bible says that Uzziah sought the Lord, and there's a communion that we must seek. But I want you to see also there's a conflict that we'll engage in. We have an enemy. Can I get a witness? You know, my greatest enemy is not Satan. My greatest enemy is myself. It's my own stinking, lousy flesh. There is nothing good about it. It is dead. It is rotten. It is decaying. It is putrid. Outside of Christ, you probably wouldn't like me. I don't like me when I'm not right with God. Are we together? Does anybody else live in the real world? Thank you. The conflict we engage in, look at verse 6. And he went forth, Uzziah went forth, 
And he warred against the Philistines, and he brake down the wall of Gath, and the wall of Jabna, and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod, and among the Philistines. Look at verse 7. And God helped him against the Philistines, and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gurbal, and the Mehunim, uh, I'm sorry, Mehunims. Now, what you look at verse 8, where the Ammonites gave him tribute. The Bible says, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. And I just want you to understand tonight that if you're going to walk with God, you're going to be fighting God's battles. The Bible says that we are saints. It also says we're soldiers. Amen? And there is a battle to fight. And I just want to say tonight that some people get very, very stirred up on bandwagon religion. How many of you believe politics is important to God? That's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> but it is. Because righteousness exalteth a nation, and sin is a reproach to any people. And blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm praying that God will raise up somebody with some sense to lead our nation. And God help us if we don't get somebody to help us. But we all know the truth of this. The answer to our problems is not in the White House. It's in the church house. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Don't you get mad at me tonight. I, I want to favor some folks. If you're a white-haired saint of God that prays for missionaries, would you raise your hand? And I'm not trying to embarrass you. I want you to be honest with me tonight white-haired saint of God that now some of you are raising your hand and you got no hair I said white-haired saints of God okay <laughs> yeah white-haired saint of God look at me tonight look at me and hear my heart I'm going to tell you what any other missionary that will be honest about it will tell you the hero of missions is not the man and woman you saw on that screen just now the hero of missions are the people who get on their knees and keep this thing going through their prayers. Now we've got to pray. You, you learn to pray real quick when you're a missionary. And you, real, you learn to pray sincerely. Because you can't do it without God's help. Okay? And we've got to do our part. But I love to say it this way. Faith, faith is the capital of missions. If you're in business, you've got to have operating capital. The operating capital of our walk with God is our faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. It has to start with faith. If faith is the capital of the work of God, prayer is the catalyst. It's what gets things moving. Prayer moves and prayer proves the heart and the hand of God. And when God's people pray, you are engaging in spiritual battle for the souls of men in places you may never see or go to. But when you get to heaven, you will get to rejoice when you see thrones upon thrones of people who have come to Christ. And it may be that the difference maker was you spending five minutes saying, Lord, help this missionary to get the job done. There's a battle we engage in. And we've got a lot of battles to fight as Christians. We all fight battles. And some of us fight the same and some of us fight different battles. But the reality of it is, if you're going to walk with God, there is a conflict you'll engage in. But I want you to see this. There's a conflict. There's a conquest 
that we can enjoy. If you will look at verses 8 through 15, I'm not going to read down through them tonight for sake of time. But if you will read down through verses 8 through 15, you will see that Uzziah prospered incredibly in military might. He had like a league of special forces guys that did his bidding and went and fought his special wars. Then he had the armies that protected him and the nation that were amassed. It's all there, read it. He had vineyards, he had farms, he built towers in Jerusalem and fortified Jerusalem and he built towers out in the countryside and fortified the country. You see, he didn't just take care of himself, he took care of the people around him. And I want to say something tonight that I need, think we really need to understand. There is this foolishness of prosperity gospel and it's become a doctrine that has infiltrated not just America but the world at large. We fight it in Botswana, Africa like you would not believe. But the Bible does say in Psalm chapter 1, characteristic of the godly man, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now let us understand something tonight. I want God to prosper me in my way Not unto me, but because my way is committed to the Lord. And if I am blessed, and this really is the grace of missions. The grace of missions is that, let me use this word loosely, okay? As you enrich us with the grace of giving, we are able to go enrich the lives of others with the grace of God's salvation. What a business. We pray for you. But I'm not praying you'll get a raise at work so you can go buy another new Cadillac. Sorry. If there's a sin in America, it's the sin of excess in our culture. And man, we sure got it. I mean, we got to have big everything. And the reality of it is most of us need to lose a whole lot of what we got. And life would be a whole lot less complicated if we did. Can I get a witness? That's side note. That's free. You don't have to pay for that, okay? But the truth of the matter is, there's nothing wrong with wanting God to prosper your life in every way so that you then can contribute in greater fashion to the work of God. And when you're walking with God, that's the way you think. Are we together? How about this? You become like who you associate with. Are we together? The more we walk with Him, the more we love Him, the more we learn of His way, the more we understand, not unto us, O Lord, but unto Thee. And then let me close with this, if I may. Somebody say amen. Last point. Verse 16. There's a casualty we can experience. We look with me at verse 15. I want you to look at the very last phrase, very last sentence in verse 15. The Bible says of Uzziah, And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Now, how many of you think at this point, boy, he's doing good? He's doing good. 
He's seeking the Lord. Whatsoever he does is prospering. God's using him. The blessings are flowing. The nation is prospering. It's all good. And then comes verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Public enemy number one for every Christian is pride. It'll get you every time. When my son left home, I gave him a Bible. And in the front of that Bible, I wrote 50 verses that have to do with pride. And I said, son, you're going to face a lot of temptations. You're going to have a lot of struggles. You're going to find that the Word of God is the answer to everything you'll face. I said, but the reality of it is, God resisteth the proud, and He gives grace to the humble. And I think one of the greatest benefits of a consistent, concentrated, intimate walk with God is it keeps you humble. When God's greatness is manifested in our life, it shouldn't inflate our ego. It should drive us to our knees in praise and thanksgiving. Hey, you're getting ready to have praise and pie time. Now let me help Pastor a little bit. He asked some people to bring pie. There's some of you, if you'll bring your pie, there'll be plenty of praise going on. Amen. Can I get a witness? The thanksgiving of many will redound to the glory of God. Amen. <laughs> but I want you to notice the casualty that he became. The Bible says he transgressed against the Lord, his God. He went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now, we're not going to take the time tonight to develop all that out, except to say this as we close. There was a confrontation. Uzziah got full of pride. Boy, don't miss this, folks. What you're doing here tonight's right. God's blessing it. You didn't have to fire up the praise band tonight to draw a crowd. And I want to tell you something. You do not have to compromise God's way of doing things to get something done for God. Praise God for Sunday night, full house, and we didn't disgrace the Lord in our behavior tonight. I enjoyed the singing, didn't you? Amen. And I don't dance much. You see, I'm not even a very good hula hooper, so I don't dance a whole lot, okay? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, what he tried to do is go in and worship God in self-will and pride. He took a censer and he tried to enter into the temple to offer incense, maybe motivated by what he saw the other kings doing with their false gods and the fact that they had this access and they could go in and kind of get God on their side in their own way, their God, okay? But thank God for the preacher who stood in the way. Thank God for those priests, 80 of them, who lined up behind him and said, this is wrong, you can't do it this way, and not only are you doing it unto your own destruction, but you're doing it to your own disgrace. Please stop. You are in peril. Can I help us just a little bit tonight? Just quickly. There's a lot of people who are going to fall off the road of life 
and fall into an eternal hell. And they walked right over a preacher standing in the way to do it. And there's a lot of church members, and I probably if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know you've seen it. There's a lot of church members who get stubborn and self-willed and full of pride and full of arrogance. And if I can quote my father-in-law tonight, don't let your blessings become a curse. Don't let them become your downfall. Don't let the goodness of God cause you to get lifted up in pride and all of a sudden you know better than everybody else. Are we together tonight? Man, I'm preaching to me, okay? Hey, folks, listen, what God just did for Mike Haley, don't you think there's plenty going on in my head saying, are you going to finish well and glorify God, or are you going to be one of these guys that had all kinds of promise to do something great for God, and because somehow you thought that you accomplished it, you end up failing? Could happen to any of us. Uzziah went in, and he got angry. When the priest said, no, what you're doing appertaineth not to thee. This is sacred work given to the priest alone. And he was wroth. Josephus said that his countenance was such that he threatened them with death. Get out of the way or I'll have you executed. And immediately, God smote him with leprosy. If you want to go down to the very end of the chapter and read the last line, it says, He died a leper. Now, let's take a warning tonight. You can be doing great. Like that football game. Calling the right plays, working as a team, getting it done, claiming the victory, enjoying the conquest, and then get silly. And throw it away in the end. How many of us tonight, Pastor, all those to ask us to stand, and if you'd like to come and conduct the invitation, would you stand with me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many of us tonight can honestly say, Lord, I don't want a good walk to go bad. I don't want to get lifted up in pride. I don't want to do what Uzziah did. And let me say this tonight. You might be here and say, you know, preacher, I didn't have that godly heritage. I, didn't, I wasn't raised in that Christian home you're talking about. Be the beginning of it. Be the beginning of it. Commit yourself to that tonight. I want to encourage you tonight to pray for the next generation. That we hand them a heritage. And I'd ask you to pray tonight that God would call missionaries, even out of this church, that young and old alike would respond to the call of God to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But how many of us tonight, by uplifted hand, many are already here, how many by uplifted hand would say, I don't want to fall? I don't want to fall like Uzziah did. Amen. Pastor, as you lead us. All right, before we get ready.